Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, associate editor over at The Libertarian Republic. The Brian Nichols Show is the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. If it's your first time joining The Brian Nichols Show, well, welcome. We are the fastest growing liberty podcast reaching all those across the political spectrum. As host, my goal is to present the news you care about in an objective manner with the goals to help educate, enlighten, and inform. As always, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Liberty, and please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon at Liberty to help keep on producing this content you enjoy. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to shoot me an email at thebriannicholsshow at gmail.com. And as always, please share today's podcast with your family and friends to help promote the message of liberty. And finally... Please take a moment and rate us and like us on iTunes. Also, we do have a few of these Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff bumper sticker. If you're interested, shoot me an email at Show at gmail.com. And today I am joined by yet another phenomenal guest. See, guys, I'm getting you phenomenal guests day after day. Today I'm joined by Alexander Snitker. He's a United States Marine veteran, the first libertarian U.S. Senate candidate from the state of Florida back in 2010 and is currently serving as the executive director of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Alex is serving as the Florida Regional Coordinator for the 2012 Ron Paul campaign and as the state ground coordinator for the Adrian Willey for Governor 2014 campaign. Alex also was the chairman for the Restore America Liberty PAC, which was specifically created to support Gary Johnson's 2016 campaign for president. He's also president of the Liberty First Network, which is a liberty lobbying organization based in Florida that works in Tallahassee on positive liberty legislation and educates the citizens on the political process and how they can individually make an impact. You can follow him on Twitter and on Facebook at Alex Snitker and Alexander.Snitker uh, on Facebook. Alex Snitker, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. And Alex, uh, I, I've been really excited to have you on because um, obviously uh, over the past uh, few few weeks, uh, I would say the, the I don't want to say it's a feud, but, a feud, but it's really a, a strong uh, difference of approach with regards to what we've seen in the contemporary libertarian party versus the, the means of looking at an alternative like the Republican Liberty Caucus trying to bring liberty values into action and actually have it in successful um in a successful manner of actually putting these these values into governance to then make policy um so to start off i, I wanted to, to really just you know give you the floor introduce us to the republican liberty caucus well what a republican liberty caucus is is it's a caucus within the republican party and it's a combination of they, they would identify themselves as constitutional conservatives and libertarian Republicans working within the Republican Party to advance the principles of liberty. Um, so it's a caucus not not necessarily unlike what you would see with the House Freedom Caucus. However, this is a caucus for everybody, not just for you know elected representatives. So it's a place where people that are Republicans but that believe in the message of liberty and freedom can kind of coalesce into one organization and to be a strong voice um, for liberty within the Republican Party, either by helping candidates get elected into office or by advocating for issues either at their local um, county commission or at their state house or at a federal level. So I know one question, and I mean, elephant in the room is always with Libertarian Party members is that, you know, why would you want to be a part of one of these two large major parties, which in, in this case is the Republican Party? 
in a, in a party where they say they, they hate libertarians, they hate the ideals of liberty, um, and, and really you don't have a home. And, and obviously in the most, uh, the most topical discussion was centering around that of Austin Peterson's campaign running for, for U.S. Senate there in Missouri as a liberty Republican. Um, so to those folks, can you kind of give me what's the, the best sales pitch for the RLC um, as a means of advancing liberty? Well, here's what I would say is that the, the first thing about that you, that you did mention there was that that the Republicans don't like the libertarians, that they don't like the, the the people that are libertarians within the Republican Party is that, you know, they're not they're hated within there or they're outcasts within there. And I haven't found that actually to be the case. I, I used to be a member of the Libertarian Party, um, but in 2016, I had switched over uh, to join the RLC. I just felt that it, that it was a more effective means. Um, of advancing liberty, but when I did switch over and I started going to the, the various, you know, recs and Republican clubs and various things, I was actually met with open arms and they were happy that I was there. And I haven't been asked to change my view on any of on, on the issues. I mean, I'm, I'm just as libertarian as far as my political ideology goes as I was when I was a member of the of the Libertarian Party. Um, but I, when I got there, again, they're not going to agree with us on everything. But I think if you go in there with an attitude of, you know, let's work together on the things that we agree on and let's, you know, let's advance for people that we may have difference of opinions on. Well, maybe we're not going to win every race. I mean, there's a lot of factors that play in Austin's race. Um, and don't get me wrong. During those time frames, they're going to go after those candidates. And, you know, I wish the score would have been better than it was. But I think that he did a phenomenal job advancing the principles. And I think that a lot of the grassroots people within the Republican Party actually believe in a lot of the principles of libertarianism. And if you have somebody in there that's that's willing to put a, you know, kind of bring these people together and, and coalesce them in a, in a caucus, that I think that you can see that the the RLC could be the most influential caucus within the Republican Party. And let me also say this. I think political parties are vehicles. Look, the, the Republican Party doesn't believe what they believed 100 years ago. Neither do the Democrats believe mm. what they believed 100 years ago. So you can go into a party, and if you have more people and bigger numbers, then you can change what their focus is on, and you can change what they are – advocating for and what kind of candidates that they have that get elected. I mean, we have a long way to go in the RLC, so I don't want to make it sound like there's some panacea in here just waiting for libertarians to come over. And, you know, some of them will not be met with open arms. It depends on the attitude that they have going into it. If you have mm -hmm. a very adversarial attitude towards all of this, then going into the RLC may not be the right vehicle for you. But if you go in there with the attitude of, of, a, of a pragmatic approach to changing public policy and want to see libertarian ideals get affected in office, I would argue that the Republican Liberty Caucus is probably the is the best vehicle for that to happen. And that's not to – I just want to make sure I say this correctly. It's not to denigrate what the – if you want to go LP, if you want to go Libertarian Party, by all means, if that's your vehicle and you want to do it, do it to the best of your ability and, and get out there and give it all you got. I from 2009 until 2016, I firmly believed in that. But after you know that many years of 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 not feeling like I was getting as far along as I wanted to see us get along, get get along, and after seeing you know a certain percentage of the group that you know within the Libertarian Party that just didn't want to win elections and didn't want to really affect public policy, I needed to make a switch. But that's not to say one way is, you know, look, maybe libertarians will figure it out and get going. But I, I just I didn't see it that way. And with the RLC, I, I felt like I have been more effective from since 2016 till now than I was effective the first six years dealing in the LP. And I think that's a really important thing to discuss right there is that 
I think a lot of libertarians, and I say libertarians being big L libertarians, um, they they look at the the Republican Party as just this this corrupt anti um, individualistic party. It's it's you know the the lesser of two evils, or it's still the evil of evil, and and they don't look at it as as you you pointed out as being really that vessel to bring forward liberty ideals. So. Um, you mentioned that you you b truly believe that the RLC is is a better means of advancing liberty, and can you kind of speak to that as to what the RLC has accomplished that has has really brought liberty not only into the forefront, um, but is actually uh, finding success in enacting policy across the U.S. Well, I think one of the strongest states that we have an RLC affiliate is the state that I live in, which is in Florida. And if you notice from the Cato Institute, uh, they just recently put out a uh, uh, um, uh, a survey that said that Florida actually is well, the freest state in the union. And yeah, I while that. I don't think that we can take I, I don't think that we can take all the credit for that. But what we have been doing when it comes to affecting legislation in Tallahassee um, is being able to push the you know, push it towards that kind of thing where they got rid of corporate welfare and, you know, we had a big hand in, you know, pushing the grassroots and to pushing the pushing the legislators to actually start enacting some of these changes. And, you know, they, they've by being that voice up there, we have done some good things, not to mention there's a lot of people that, that are Republicans that have got elected into office. Uh, Matt Gertler was one of them up in um, up in uh, up in Georgia. Um, he was you know, he was up there basically the new doctor. No, at a state house level. Um, there's a lot of candidates, whether it be Thomas Massey, if you want to go on a federal level, whether it be Thomas Massey or uh, Justin Amash or even what Rand Paul's doing, I, I think that you can see how the, the effect of the RLC um, and, and because you got to remember, you got you to group all those people together because they're all doing, you know, they're all doing things to push the ball forward. I, I think you can see that it is effective. Don't get me wrong. We're going to have some losses and people are, you know, when you're whenever you're playing, especially within the Republican Party, there are different factions that do not believe in the same thing that we believe in that are going to fight us. I mean, it, just the way it is. But I think that it's factions within the party. It's not the party as a whole going against us um, here in Florida. I actually have a phenomenal relationship with the chairman of the state party. Um, they've given all of our candidates have been given a fair a fair shake. Some of them do well. Some of them don't do well. But there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, but I think that we have push the ball forward up and maybe it's more on a local and a state level, you know, at a federal level with Trump, he's done some things that we've liked, but he's done a whole lot of things that we haven't liked. But I think if we take the approach when it comes to Trump is that, you know, the, on the deregulation side, I think those, those things have worked very well. Um, but I think overall uh, you see the RLC uh, growing and becoming more prominent within the party. And there's a lot of, a lot of legislators. And even like, again, I take it to a local level. Um, a lot of the County commissioners that I deal with at my County really come to me to the side and say, hey, you know, I'm really, I really am a libertarian. And when it comes to private property rights, they've stood their ground on that stuff and lowering taxes, they've stood their ground. There's a lot of victories that you can see across the country at a local level. Um, now, you don't see as many on a federal level, and I, I will totally admit to that. But that's why groups like YAL and the Win at the Door campaign that they're doing is so important because they're working and, and, and helping supercharge the candidates that we like in order to get elected into office. And so it's a combination of working with other groups, not just with the RLC, uh, but with other groups that are out there that we can really promote the message. And, and I think it's been working very well. I think it's important for libertarians um, to also understand 
and you you did touch on this, but the the role that not just the RLC, but the Republican Party plays in promoting ideas to a large audience, either promoting candidates, ideas, what have you. And, and you mentioned, and I'm going to start in the federal level, you mentioned three guys in, in Thomas Massey, Justin Amash, and Rand Paul. And I think it's important for current either big L libertarians or little L libertarians who are politically homeless uh, in terms of uh, the, the various parties to, to really think back to what was it that brought them into the liberty movement. And, and you're, you're going to have some exceptions to the rule where, you know, they were reading John Stuart Mill and they started thinking about libertarianism or they, they you know, really a big fan of Marie Rothbard or Hayek. And I, I think if we're going to look at the, the grand scale of the liberty movement, a lot of these people joined the liberty movement because they heard somebody speak whether it was Andrew Napolitano, whether it was Ron Paul, or heck, even Rand Paul, um, these libertarian or liberty-oriented folks who are out there on a, a larger scale talking about liberty and, and really bringing the message to people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it. And we have to acknowledge that, uh, you know, for example, Ron Paul, who I would dare say has brought, a, if not uh, almost, of the current liberty movement into the liberty movement, you know, he he did so as a Republican, and I think it's so important to to understand the value, whether or not you agree with the Republican Party entirely on platform, but the value that the platform itself has in helping advance these messages. Because, and I mean no disrespect to my libertarian brothers and sisters, but I mean I just had Alex Merced on. Uh, he's the vice chairman now for the, the Libertarian National Committee. And Alex is a great guy, and he was on last week. And, and we were talking about um, you know, the LNC and how it, it approached uh, Alex or uh, Austin Peterson's uh, defeat there in the primary and, and how it basically said that the, the GOP is not a home for the, the libertarian philosophy because, as we saw from the, the primary, they hate, they hate the, uh, the liberty messaging. I said, well, no, because, you know, you look at one of the biggest spokespersons, it's Ron Paul, who who did so as a Republican. And we can't ignore the infrastructure, the vast infrastructure that the GOP has for these candidates um, like Thomas Massey and like Justin Amash and like Rand Paul. Um, you know, right now, the Libertarian Party itself, it has nothing to show from a federal standpoint. And, and the, the big names, the big uh, you know voices in the Libertarian movement are, are honestly, if you look at a national scale, they're relegated to the little kids table. I mean, God bless him. Larry Sharp is easily one of the best voices and advocates for not only the Libertarian Party on, on, a, on a whole scale, but also just in, in explaining the Libertarian philosophy in, in kind of the, the spark notes, easy to digest versions. And, and Larry, unfortunately, is is running in a state like New York, which is extremely liberal and progressive, um, and and he's being completely ignored because he is that third party candidate. And it doesn't mean that the Libertarian Party doesn't have a role to to promote the ideas of libertarianism, but I think it's it's very naive for the Libertarian Party to just you know shun the the Republican Party and to to say that there, it doesn't have a value. I mean, just today, the the chairman of the Libertarian Party and Nicholas Sarwark was going after Rand Paul for it which Rand Paul was actually promoting a libertarian philosophy and ideology towards foreign policy and how we deal with Russia. And there was a, a snarky article written by, I think it was Stephen Hayes over at the weekly standard. And uh, Nicholas Sarwark said, uh, you know, why do uh, people always label Rand Paul as a libertarian instead of what he is a Republican. 
And, you know, I got a little back and forth with, with our, our chairman. I said, well, well, Nick, what did Rand Paul say that wasn't, I like, it wasn't mirroring what the libertarian philosophy was. And he kind of, you know, he didn't, he, he would have nice little, you know, snips back and forth, which is his modus operandi. But then when I, I pushed him on it, he just kind of left the conversation. I'm like, well, here's the problem is that the libertarian party has a, an identity crisis. I'm sorry to go on my tangent here, but like the libertarian party has an identity crisis in terms of what's the goal is the goal to actually win elections and bring policy and, and real substantive change to, to either their respective localities and state uh, state um, you know capitals or to Washington or is it to be this kind of um, you know, this this think tank almost where we discuss ideas of liberty and we, we really become sound in the philosophy versus actually winning those elections so I mean with all that being said what's kind of your take when you compare the libertarian party, and the Republican Liberty Caucus in terms of what their their current infrastructure is is as it is now, and what their their vision and goals are in in terms of their respective um, their respective groupings. So, being the Libertarian Party and the RLC. Well, the first thing I will say is both organizations have a long way to go. That that both of them have a ton of organizing to do. And neither one of them can make the claim that, you know, that they're so far ahead that everybody should just go their direction. I, I don't think that either one of them can realistically make that claim. I, I will say that I do think that there's been some effective things that the LP has done on somewhat of a local level at different places around the country. So I will definitely give them, uh, you know, a little bit of do there. Um, on that. They have been effective in some local areas. But the problem is, is that there is this grouping of people within the Libertarian Party that do believe that it should be a think tank, that do not want to see it grow, and that want to make sure, because they think that they are there to guard it, to maintain it, to be pure in their mind, whatever that purity means, mm -hmm. that they think it's there to maintain that purity. And they view it as a badge of honor when they are able to do things to get people to leave that they feel aren't libertarian enough in order to be in the party. And if you're going to be a party that grows, the last thing that you can do is actually start kicking people out or even be proud that you are doing it. And mm -hmm. many times, and it's gone from Sarwalk on down, where they've had people there that, that, in my opinion, act in a way that is there to reject people or to repel people, not to bring people in. Um, and I also think that they don't spend enough time actually... Like they could go to state houses across the country and really make an impact and highlight those impacts that they were making there. And when I was when I first started the Liberty First Network, I know you mentioned one of the organizations um, that I that I deal with is the Liberty First Network, which was we started that in 2011, and that was to go to Tallahassee to our state capital and to really apply libertarian principles to our current you know our current governmental structure to try to get it moving back towards the direction of liberty and freedom. The people that came up there with me were all the RLC people. The libertarians basically told me, and I was in a conference call. It was really funny that I was in a conference call where I was giving an update of what we were doing. And one person on the call said, and it was a direct quote, well, why don't you just tell them that we want to be free? End quote. That was the quote on the call. And that was, a, that was an executive committee member of the Libertarian Party of Florida that said that to me on a conference call. And 
the ignorance. I mean, again, look, everybody does want to be free. Totally agree with you. That's a great idea. But how do you apply that to our current governmental structure is the issue there. And that's where they fall flat, in my opinion. And I don't think that they really want to organize it in a way in which they can actually, you know, take over this governmental structure and actually move it back in the direction of liberty. And I think that it really comes down to whether you want to take a pragmatic approach or whether you want to, you know, whether you want to just say, let's burn it all down. Which don't get me wrong. Look, this thing may go long enough to where it just all gets burnt to the ground, and then they and then we just start over. But you know what, though, a lot of people are going to die, and a lot of people are going to get hurt if we're all just waiting for that to happen. So there needs to be some people that actually want to, in the best, most humane, most sensitive way possible, to actually go in there and actually start moving government back towards the direction of liberty and freedom. I don't believe that the LP has the per they have too many people that don't believe in doing that and if you're going to keep a party small it doesn't take a large majority in order to repel people every time it comes in now let's get to the second issue and and that like that was the main problem within the LP but let me talk about what one of the symptoms that comes into the party then is that point and what happens is then you have other people that aren't really libertarian that have less than honorable um, motives that come into the party and that those people will end up end up coalescing with the people that are the purists because they figure that the enemy of my enemy is my friend within the party. And so we'll latch on to this person who is, you know, and again, I'm not I'm not naming anybody that was running in this current election for libertarian chair, by the way. However, you know, when you're getting endorsed <laughs> by guys that are white supremacists, maybe there's a little bit of an issue there. But. But what happens is, is that now that you have a grouping of people that really are identified as white nationalists that are in there and you're almost saying, well, these people have the same voice that everybody else has. So we have to, you know, let them go in here and, and, and do this and be part of the party as well. Well, you know what, then you're going to repel a whole lot more people. And if that's your goal, then I guess go with it. You know, it's either that or dance naked on the stage, I guess. I mean, you do what you want to do, but <laughs> you know, part of us want to actually be professional and that actually want, we actually want to change this country towards the better. Now, most of the time, look, I normally just try to ignore the LP as much as I can. And I don't really talk about it too much. I try to talk about the positive things that the RLC is doing and the positive things that, you know, that we're doing to advance liberty. But, you know, in comparing the two, you got to call the spade a spade in certain aspects, because look, the problem is, is that you have too many people that aren't serious about actually changing public policy that just want to yell and scream and yelling and screaming does not get anything done. It's like a petulant child. And you know what? I think we need some adults, and especially right now we need adults. I mean, if there's if there was a time frame for for educated libertarian conversations to be happening somewhere, it's in the Republican Party. And you know what? Every time we go out and every time we're talking to people, they really like what we're talking about. And as long as we do it in a clinical way, and as long as we're not doing it where we're just name calling and calling the president names or calling this person names or calling this person names and talking about the policy and explaining why we support what we support, you get a lot more out of it than just, you know, yelling and screaming and saying that, you know, Rand Paul sucks. And like, is that the best that Sarwak has? Like as a chair, I would expect more from, from someone like Nicholas Sarwak than to just, you know, dig on Rand. Look, Rand's doing a great job and I don't understand why for the life of me that Rand, you know, that Rand is the, is the target for Nicholas Sarwak. Like, don't you mm -hmm. have more important things to do as the chair than to, than to troll Rand Paul? Like, I, I would just think you have more things to do than that. But obviously growing the party doesn't seem to be one of those things that you need to have done right now. So 
troll away at Rand. You're only going to be helping mm-hmm. the RLC because more libertarians are going to see what you're doing and they're going to want to come over to the RLC and check out what we're doing. Agreed. And and I said in uh, the the aftermath there of Austin Peterson's primary, because um, the, the liber- to those who aren't aware, the Libertarian uh, National uh, Committee's Twitter profile took to actually going after, um, not necessarily going after, but really just pouring salt in the wound of, of Austin's uh, candidacy being defeated there. Um, I think Austin got like 8.3% or so of the vote. And um, yeah, I, I said, you know, that nobody's going to take the Libertarian Party seriously until the Libertarian Party takes itself seriously. And and everybody is looking at the LP as this, you know, it's hurts to say, but it's like this third-rate college club of, you know, the, the, the nerdy kids who just get together and they, they have this, you know, mental masturbation, you know, I'm smarter than you about libertarianism and here's why you're wrong. I'm more libertarian than you. And then, you know, you have the Republican Party who they're they're actually winning elections and you actually are having the opportunity to to win elections as a Republican with libertarian values and you're you're actually doing it. And we have, you know, substantive outcomes of the Republican Liberty Caucus in your actions with, with gentlemen like we mentioned, Rand Paul, uh, Thomas Massey, Justin Amash. And, and I don't care if they're not the, the libertarian, you know, the, the libertarian purity test uh, winners. You know, that's that shouldn't be our goal unless, like you mentioned earlier, that's the libertarian party's goal is to have this, you know, this purity test every single day to to you know weed itself down to a few, uh, you know, few core members. And it it actually kind of makes me upset. I mean, there was a, there was an article and it was it was going around here in, in the past week, which it turned out being incorrect. But there's an article about Mitt Romney possibly looking at becoming a libertarian mem- uh, party member. And the LP went ballistic, like, you know, oh, he's a statist and he's, you know, he, he might be the most big government person in the world. And I'm like, time, time out. Our vice presidential candidate in 2016 was Bill freaking Weld, who I would dare say before was one of the, the ilk that Romney would have associated with. And I say, you know, if, if we're going to say. You, you can't have certain people in the libertarian party because X, Y, Z, they're not libertarian enough. Then, then you're really, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You know, you're, you're not having the opportunity to bring these, these potential voices to people that we wouldn't talk to otherwise. And to actually maybe educate them on the ideas of Liberty. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know Mitt Romney's soul, but from the outside perception of Mitt Romney, he seems like a decent human being. And if he was to join the Libertarian Party, that would lead me to have some type of hope that he would try to learn the philosophy. And to have someone like a Mitt Romney learn Libertarian philosophy and then to use his network of donors, of, of public relations, of campaign uh, managers to then bring Libertarian uh, Libertarian Party and Libertarianism to a more uh, relevant stage in its existence to actually have some type of of you know seriousness on the national stage i mean how, how who do we think we are if, if you're in the libertarian party to say i don't want that i don't want uh, somebody who can make us you know relevant in, in national politics and national discourse so then i i turn i look at the rlc and you know you guys are silently chugging chugging along and you're getting victory after victory and you're having the, the like the, like I've, I've i've said them over and over again but the rands the justin and the, and the toms who are actually being able to enact policy or, or you know, it, at the very least, have a, a credible position to stand up against 
these people in government who are trying to inflate the size and uh, scope of government. Whereas the Libertarian Party, it doesn't have any relevancy. I mean, the closest thing we have right now is potentially having Gary Johnson win in, in New Mexico for the U.S. Senate seat. And even still, he's like 15 points behind the polls. Um, no, granted, there's time to catch up. But, I mean, the fact that Gary Johnson's the, the closest thing the Libertarian Party has right now in terms of actually securing a federal seat, I think that, you know, the, the, the it just speaks volumes. That's that's a really big deal. And something that the Libertarian Party, I just think they're in denial. They, they like to tossing bombs at people that aren't Libertarian enough, like Rand Paul. Instead of trying to embrace those people as potential allies, say, hey, he's not a Libertarian Party member, but what Rand Paul did here was great. Like, it, you made a good point there. Like, what, is that really what the, the chair of the Libertarian Party, is that the best thing he has to do? And, and actions speak louder than words. And at this point, it seems like, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what his, his, uh, his modus operandi has been as of late. Yeah, it's unfortunate too, but, and I don't get me wrong, I do think that there are some states where you do see libertarian activity that's going on right now that is some oh, good sure. stuff. In, Indiana in is one of the best states right now. I mean, so my podcast, it's part of the We Are Libertarians Network, and uh, Chris Spangle was the former uh, chair of the Indiana Libertarian Party. And the infrastructure and network that the, the Libertarian Indiana or the Indiana Party's uh, Libertarian Party has amassed over the past 10 years, I mean, I, th I forget what the number was, but it's like, I think 10% of the electorate right now in, in Indiana is, is libertarian. And I mean, that speaks to the, the value of the actual party itself. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And you have, even in Florida, like I can mention even in Florida, that there's a couple people that are on county commissions that are on, not county commissions, but are on city councils. They're in, now they're nonpartisan races, but there are people that are on those things that are registered, you know, libertarians that do good work, that are great things that they could actually be promoting. Like they could be actually just promoting these guys and what they're doing and what the work that's going on in Indiana and other states across the country. They could be there promoting all of that stuff. And that's why I think it's sad that you have a chairman that instead of focusing on the positive things going on within your own organization, that you choose to just be divisive. And to be divisive for di for division's sake, and you know, on a national scale, then you're just kind of turning a lot of people off. Um, but you know, a lot of these things. But you know, in a lot of these areas, you have people that are libertarians, but also that are RLC members that are working on issue-based policy stuff. And that's where I think that you can find where, no matter what party you are, that you can work together in order to advance these principles at a state house level and at a, you know, at a state level or at a local level that you can try to find ways to work together. You know, one of the things about the RLC is you don't have to be a registered Republican to be a member of the RLC. We do have an associate member um, thing where if you are a registered libertarian or MPA or whatever party you want to belong to, that you can be part of the RLC. We welcome it. Um, but you don't have to be a Republican in order to be a member of the RLC. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think it's trying to find the ways to, to, to work together on the positive stuff and to not really kind of worry so much about gratuitous kind of attacks. And I would call any an attack on Rand right now. You don't have another guy up against that guy in Tennessee or in Kentucky right now. So why would you go after him right now? It doesn't make any sense to do that unless you're just trying to be divisive. And many times I've, I've and again, I don't really follow Sarwalk on Twitter. I've, I've actually I've blocked him completely. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care to see anything that the man has to say. I've known him for a long time. Um, but I, I don't really like the way he first got elected to begin with, but that's a way different story for a different day. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, you want to focus on things that you can work together on. 
and you don't want to be divisive. Um, it's the one of the ways that the RLC actually got me to switch over um, to, from being a libertarian to being a registered Republican is that, like I said, when I would go to Tallahassee and I would work on legislation, that the one group of people that was there with me was the was many members of the RLC. And even when I would give them crap, I mean, even when I would tell them, oh, eventually all you guys are going to be over to the to the you know libertarian party and you're going to see the error in your ways and you guys are all going to come on board to the LP. And I, I, I firmly believe that at the time. Um, and they would smile and they would say, hey, well, let's just work on this stuff instead of arguing over, you know, party affiliation. I mean, and all honesty, they took a principle over party position when it came to mm -hmm. how we dealt together and how we dealt with legislation. And, you know, a lot of times I know the moniker of the uh, Libertarian Party is, you know, principle over party. Um, but you can see that, you know, from the actions of the current chair that uh, in newly reelected current chair, by the way, so the party likes him enough to keep him going is that from the newly elected chair, you can see that he actually takes a party over principled stand when it comes to somebody like Rand Paul, because if you know you can show effectiveness from a guy that is a libertarian in the Republican Party, that that's working well, then you know that's the one thing that can really do a lot of damage to the LP. And you know maybe as the chair, he's supposed to do that stuff, but maybe you guys might want to, they may want to drop the principle over party part because the chair itself, the chair himself is not abiding by that. Couldn't couldn't have said it better than my, uh, myself there, um, Alex. That was very well said, and a lot of things that need to be said. Um, so you know, you mentioned let's let's try to not be divisive. So I, I agree, and that I, that's why I wanted to kind of wrap the, the show up with kind of give us what's what's some good things that are coming out of the the uh, the RLC here coming down the pike. You know, do you have anything that's that's really creeping up that you're excited to uh, to to discuss, and you're excited to see as a vision going forward? Well, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. And again, in this election cycle, because I, I was actually hired on as the executive director for the RLC in February. So it was right in the middle of campaign season. So a lot of the things that I wanted to actually, that I'm going to be enacting are not things that I have, that I, you know, I have to get through the election cycle, you know, to get to the, you know, starting after November is where you, you know, kind of start building for the next election cycle. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say one of the most exciting things that's out there right now is not necessarily an RLC thing, but it's something that we're definitely supportive of. And we are adjusting our the way that we're doing business as the RLC because of it. And that's YAL's win at the door campaign, that, that, that if there is a group that is showing the path to victory for liberty, it is YAL win at the doors campaign that's currently going on, where they are finding 10, they're, they're, they're vetting candidates at state house level. And that they're going to get these guys, they're, they're sending 10 kids down there, not kids, I, maybe I shouldn't say that, I'm just, I'm in my 40s now, so now I'm starting to call people. <laughs> you can tell when you get older when you start calling adults kids, by the way. So not a good thing, it's almost showing more of my age than anything else, but they're getting 10 young people down to a um, state house district and they're knocking on like 30,000 doors. And right now they're like eight for 10. So out of the 10 That's races awesome. they've gotten involved in so far, they've won eight of them and they're winning them by double digits. Like it's not even, it's not even, it's, it's, it's one, it's damn near scary. And two, I can't believe somebody didn't start doing this beforehand. Um, so, and their goal is in the next, um, in the next election cycle is to basically have about 250 state house candidates that they're going to be helping. Now, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of vetting of state house uh, Republicans across the country and trying to find the ones that we, you know, there's ones that we know of, but we haven't really been keeping the information at a national level as far as state house candidates go, just because of the way that our organization was set up is that at the national level, you kind of have state autonomy. Yeah. And so the state kind of deals with what each state does. So what we're going to do now is really try to do more of finding the candidates 
that are running for house and compiling the information nationally, making sure that YAL has this information. But we're also going to be forming up. Um, and again, this is really kind of like we haven't, I, I'm still like, I have to get approvals for all this stuff. So this is not a plan that has been, you know, approved by the board, even though I'm sure that they will, is to start building RLC outreach teams. And these are going to be four to five person teams. And what they're going to be doing is, is during the off season. So like during, you know, once legislative season starts, um, what we're going to do is we're going to be going out and making sure that we're knocking on doors of every registered Republican, making sure that they know that we're out there and that we're dealing with legislative season. And, the, and if they want to get involved with legislative season, that they can. And I think by doing that outreach during legislative season, when candidate season comes back around, that we're going to have more people involved in the RLC. And again, we're going after registered Republicans. I, I, I want to make sure I make that clear. If somebody's a member of the LP, we are not going after them to try to get them to switch over to the Republican Party. I think it's a, I think it's a bad move on our part. I think it's kind of rude and disingenuous to do it that way. I think that once somebody has had their fill, if you know if they don't like the direction that the LP is going, I think that by being out there and being a positive influence out there, that they'll find us and then they'll mm -hmm. want to get involved. And I think that's a much better way and much more effective of our time to do that. Uh, but we're going to be making these voter outreach teams that are going to be going out, talking to registered Republicans, talking to them about the principles of liberty and freedom, but talking to them also about what's currently going on in their state legislature and how they can get involved in making an influence and making an impact there. Because I think there's too many people that don't understand that you as an individual at your state house level, at your county commission level, at these levels, if you call your representatives at the right times on the right issues, that you can make a huge impact on what they're going to do. And again, look, this is not something that we're good. I mean, we deal with it on a federal level as well, but we really try to focus a lot of the actions and activities on a local and a state level, because I think that you can have a much more positive impact. You can see some wins. And then when there is that big federal issue, you can get involved in it as well. But if you spend more of your time learning what's going on in your county commission and your state house, we will have a much freer society. And I think that's the reason why everybody's getting involved is because they want to be free and they want to be able to live in a free society. And, you know, I think that the RLC can provide that vehicle for those that want to work this way. And again, it's not for everybody. If you're an anarchist, I definitely wouldn't suggest that you join the RLC. Like it totally is not anarchist. We believe in, you know, we believe in a government, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we believe in that, but we also believe that we can make an impact and move it more closer to freedom. And I'd like to get to the point where we could just, you know, have a really, really small limited government and argue with the anarchists as to whether we can just get rid of it all or not. I welcome that argument, but we got a lot of work to do before we get to that point. But the website, just so anybody knows, if you'd like to join the RLC, which we'd welcome everybody to join the RLC, is rlc.org. Um, and I really do appreciate the conversation tonight. It was really, it's kind of fun. And don't get me wrong, I don't really talk a whole lot about my time in the LP back in the day. So, you know, a couple, you know, every once in a while having that kind of conversation is kind of a fun time. But it's not the norm for me um, because I really do try to just focus my efforts on the RLC and what's going on there. Um, but to give a difference, there, there, it, that is a conversation that needs to be had. Absolutely. And I think it's really important for people in the LP who are finding themselves getting more and more di ah, dissatisfied with the way things have been going and you know i think we're, we're kind of in the the last hope phase so you had tom woods jason stapleton dave smith michael malice all kind of hop on board uh with the libertarian party and I, i'm hoping by 2020 they they will have 
some substantive changes, and, and hopefully the RLC and the uh, the LP will be, uh, you know, good allies instead of, uh, you know, trying to, to, not necessarily on the RLC's end, but uh, the LP, uh, you know, casting aspersions to those RLC members there in the Republican Party. But, um, I, Alex, it's been fantastic having you on. Where can people go ahead and find you on social media so they can stay in tune with the executive director for the RLC? <laughs> um, well, you can find me on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page. Um, that is facebook.com. And I actually think that some, I don't know if somebody had my name before this, but it was actually, I think I have it now as Mr. Snicker, uh, uh, and it's MR then S N I T K E R. Um, you can also, let me just make sure. Yeah, it is Mr. Snicker. It's always funny that I have that one. <laughs> um, I have a website. My website is alexandersnicker.com, but I will warn you ahead of time. It is the most basic website that you could possibly have. That's totally done on purpose. So, because it just has the base information in there, but you does have all my contact information. As a matter of fact, because of the, it's funny, I, I know we're cutting short on time here, but because of the, uh, um, the, the things that are going on on social media right now where they are kind of getting rid of, you know, people's pages and Facebook's acting a little authoritarian and so is Twitter. You literally have every, every social media that I possibly could have. Like Mix, Reddit, Minds, Gab, Grassroots.Vote, MeWe, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Like I put every – like I went and download and got and got an account on every one of these pages just to make sure if – you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one Facebook basket, I guess you could say. So if you go to alexandersnicker.com, you can actually find all of my links to all of my social media out there. Phenomenal. Well, listen, Alex, I appreciate the uh, the, the time for you to spend here on a, a hot – night down in uh in, in tallahassee or down in florida uh to hop on the show um you know it, it was absolutely fantastic to have your perspective and uh to really introduce my audience to the the real rlc and the value you guys are playing there but um as always folks uh you can find me on on facebook and on twitter at b nichols liberty uh go ahead it, it, guys i really cannot strongly suggest enough to go check out the rlc they're doing a lot of great work uh, you know, we have some substantive, uh, real-life people out there who are promoting liberty, and they're actually being able to do things and accomplish things in government. So go over to rlc.org, check them out, follow them on on their social media. As always, follow Alex on his social media. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, it's Brian Nichols here in the Brian Nichols Show, signing off for the executive director of the RLC, Alex Snichter. We'll see you next week. Have a great evening.